The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. I'm Carly Meisberger. Today, we're talking about supporting the arts with I. Lee Schreiner from Oregon Cultural Trust. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined... Uh, usually we are joined with uh, uh, organizations that are doing the work and not that Oregon Trust, Cultural Trust isn't doing the work, but they are helping fund the work. Uh, Trust Manager for Oregon Cultural Trust, Eileen Schreiner, is here to join us, speak with us. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. So Oregon Cultural Trust, not every state has one. There's, there's not necessarily a Kansas Cultural Trust or a Wisconsin Cultural Trust. This is unique. This is absolutely unique and it's really a representation of who we are as a state. We like to call the Oregon Cultural Trust one of Oregon's great ideas, uh, like the bottle bill and our public beach laws. Uh, about 20 years ago, a group of legislators got together and said, you know, we need to help uh, prioritize arts and culture in the lives of Oregonians and and part of that is funding and so this um, unique legislation creates a tax incentive with a tax credit to allow Oregonians to say I want some of my state taxes to go to arts and culture and and was there something happening 20 years ago that uh, got the legislators uh, excited about this idea. Uh, do you know what the the, the spark was? So um, I will give a lot of credit to uh, Senator Ben Westlin, uh, who has now passed sadly, uh, and who was from the Central Oregon area, for spearheading this idea. There was a um, a governor's uh, commission that had been set up to study this, and it was from that commission that this recommendation came to create a cultural trust. So an example of some innovative thinking and cooperative work that can lead towards something truly unique. And, and so you said that part of the idea was that uh, 20 years ago, the hope was that organizations and funders would uh, work together better. Um, yes. 20 years later, uh, how has that worked out? Well, I'm happy to say that it's working really well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We, um, we recently had to uh, go back to the state legislature and ask for our tax credit to be reauthorized. You know, tax credits don't live on indefinitely. We have a six-year approval process, and every six years we have to go back to the legislature and say, you know, how are we doing? And we commissioned a report to kind of assess that, you know, if the original premise was that through the cultural trust and the way that we can raise funds through a tax credit and provide funding to not only individual organizations, but also to some of the state agencies who also do this work, uh, to really fund the field from both the state level to the individual organization level, 
you know, what does that translate into? Does that mean that uh, we have a health or healthier cultural ecology? And the answer was absolutely yes. Um, we have been able to grant, raise and grant out millions and millions of dollars over those 20 years in such a way that um, state agencies such as the Arts Commission and the Oregon Heritage Commission know that they can count on certain funds from the trust every year. We have a group of volunteer, volunteers in every county and tribe in Oregon who receive a block grant from the trust as part of our funding each and every year that they in turn give out in grants to organizations just working in their county. And those are our county coalitions. We're able to fund that self-directed work that supports burgeoning cultural organizations at that level, plus our own grant programs, um, that what we can provide is something that's actually kind of unique in the arts and culture field, which is reliable and, and, and not insignificant funding amounts uh, to organization each and every year. And that kind of stability and sense of um, cooperative work is really important for these organizations to be able to count on from one year to the next so that they can um, not just be in survival mode but to be in thrive mode and what we're finding too uh, with the pandemic is that it can also be something you can count on when it's about survival and that because oregonians are generous and do provide funding to the trust for which they get a tax credit we in turn can provide funding even when times are tough. Yeah, and I guess in, in full disclosure, I, I should I should uh, thank you and also thank and 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 explain that uh, the Media Institute for Social Change, which is the nonprofit that hosts the nonprofit Happy Hour, uh, has been a recipient, and it's been fantastic. We help uh, support a newspaper in Southern Oregon, and so both through Josephine County Cultural Trust which has helped support local arts coverage there, uh, and then through Oregon Cultural Trust to help support our um, film coverage of Oregon filmmakers. And, and like you said, it's, it's, um, they haven't been, you know, giant grants, uh, you know, $500, $1,500, but that's enough to um, hire some, some writers to do that coverage that, that wouldn't happen otherwise. And that, that sort of that, that system of having a state wide Oregon Cultural Trust. And then the county is very interesting because uh, the counties have different uh, sensibilities and different connections and, and are probably looking at culture from a different perspective than, than what you are. Absolutely. We, you know, it was recognized when the trust was created that um, if you want to build significant and sustained relationships with organizations that do cultural work that happens at the community level and it happens at the statewide level but it needs in order to have a healthy cultural ecology you need both you need both the opportunities uh, at the coalition level where you're right the grants are are more modest they're between 500 you know 1500 depending on the size of the coalition but that could be, and we've heard, that can make the difference between an individual perhaps being able to realize his or her dream for the very first time through this grant. And then we have larger grants that we can provide through our competitive grant program up to $40,000. And those are for the larger institutions that maybe have a broader footprint and are maybe more um, developed. But 
true support means support at all those levels. And um, it, the coalitions are, I think, one of the most amazing parts of the cultural trust infrastructure because these are a group of dedicated volunteers who are often professionals in the field and, and who are aware of the, the burgeoning cultural nonprofits that might need an injection of some support and can encourage them to apply and they can get that funding. We have had some amazing stories over the lifetime of the trust of organizations such as Washed Ashore, which is this group in Bandon, Oregon that um, wanted to take ocean debris and transform it into art that would illustrate the impact of pollution in the oceans. And they were this scrappy nonprofit working in Bandon, Oregon initially and got some initial seed funds from the, uh, the Cultural Trust uh, Coalition there. And now they have their pieces of art on display at the United Nations, uh, at SeaWorld. Um, you know, their pieces are being used to, to educate uh, people about the impact of pollution uh, in the ocean. And it just shows you what, you know, what we know when we work in the nonprofit field of what the possibility is when you have a group of dedicated people who believe in something and if you give them some support, what they can do is, is outstanding. And I just want to put some, some numbers uh, on this so we understand the scope. Um, correct me if, this is, if these are incorrect, but I believe the Oregon Cultural Trust has worked with 1,500 nonprofits. We have a list of over 1,400 cultural nonprofits working in Oregon. And one of the reasons why we collect that list is so that donors like you and I can see who's on the list. And so when I make my charitable giving at the end of the year, I know that, let's say, for example, my contribution to X-Ray is eligible for a matching grant to the cultural trust or matching tax. So, so the way that this works is when you make your contribution to the cultural, to, uh, to cultural organizations, you can make a matching contribution to the trust and receive a tax credit for the amount. So embedded in the idea is that you need to first support those organizations that matter to you, such as X-Ray. And so let's say I give X-Ray $100. I can then give the cultural trust $100. When I file my taxes, I certainly get the federal deductions for having made that gift to X-Ray. But in Oregon, because I made a gift to the trust, I now also get a $100 tax credit. So you literally, if you owe the state any taxes at all, you literally get your money back because your tax bill went down by $100 with that tax credit. And it's an agreement that the state has with the trust that they will allow those funds to be moved to our pool for grants as opposed to going into the general fund. And that's allowed us to raise almost $5 million for the past couple of years. Um. Thank you for making that plug for people to give to us, right? <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and I want to just grab hold of that number. So $5 million, that is what is given by Oregon taxpayers every year to the Oregon Culture Trust. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Isn't it amazing? And, these, and what that means is that at least $10 million has been given in terms of a, of a contribution. And so... The idea on the trust, too, was to incentivize that first gift, to say, Oregonians, put your dollars where your heart is, you know, to each and uh, to each their own ability. And then you can then take advantage of this tax credit by giving funding to the trust. Um, better than Kickstarter. 
<laughs> I want to talk a little bit about uh, where some of that money goes. I mean, so uh, like watering a garden, uh, where the funds go does determine some how, what arts, culture, humanities flourish. Um, how much of that is conscience at the at the, the the Oregon Cultural Trust? I mean, are there uh, directives of hey, this year we should focus on uh, stage performances, or this year we should focus on historical? Um, is 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 that part of the discussions that are happening, or or how does does it does it happen organically, or is there a little bit more of a an invisible hand, as it were? There's no invisible hand. Okay. <laughs> this is a the founders of the trust were um, pretty determined that Oregonians could count on knowing where their funds go each and every year when they give to the trust. So we like to describe it as a waterfall. So when we raise five million dollars in a year. There is a funding model in place in our legislative language, so in statute, that, that, it, that tells us where those funds will go. A percentage of the funds go into a, um, a investment pool from which we get uh, income each and every year. And then the larger percentage of those funds goes to uh, directly um, our state partner agencies, the county coalitions, and um, our individual grant programs. And the percentage of those funds are written in statute, they're, they're predetermined. And so what we do is we know that each and every year, and this comes back to having a stable source of income that you can count on, our, our state agencies know that they're gonna get some funding from the trust each and every year to support their work. So that's how the arts and culture and humanities get supported reliably each and every year. The county coalitions know each and every year that they're going to get a block grant from the trust. And they give out those funds according to a cultural plan that they've developed for their county. So those grants focus on the priorities that they've set for themselves about what's important for our county. And then we do have a competitive grant program that we run each and every year. And again, we have categories that organizations can apply under, and those don't change. Those are for capacity building grants, for preservation grants, uh, for grants that increase access to cultural opportunities, and then we have creativity grants. So the idea is really that we've got all the bases covered in terms of funding at the different levels, and also that any cultural organization, regardless of if they're in the arts or heritage or humanities, have a competitive shot at receiving any of those grants at any time um, so that it's kind of equal opportunity. Let me ask a little bit more pointed question then. Is there any favoring of new organizations over established or vice versa? And I can certainly see the virtues for both. I mean, new is providing, you know, certainly that, that, that opportunity where funding an older up or established is, a, is perhaps more of a sure bet. Yeah. You know, um, I'm actually quite proud to say that we have a good track record of funding both established organizations and organizations that are up and coming and brand new. We'll see that, um, that you know, established organizations like the Oregon Symphony or the Oregon Ballet or the Shakespeare Festival are pretty regular recipients of cultural trust funds. So um, we also every year have 
brand new organizations who have received a grant for the very first time. Uh, we have one more question about funding before we take a music break. Um, during the last six months, obviously, a lot has changed. And certainly for arts and culture, COVID making us reconsider how we deliver and interact with the arts and Black Lives Matters emphasizing diversity. Um, these are obviously big issues. How is that playing out with, with funding? How are, I mean, it's, it's been six months, so there's enough of a turnaround time now that organizations are, are uh, recalibrating. Yeah, well, we, when we, we are continuing to hold our grant uh, programs to the timelines that we were originally established. Um, and then we've been in conversation with organizations about, you know, in the context of what you're applying for, if you're seeking a grant and if you are uncertain as to what your timeline is going to look like or what your deliverables are going to be, you know, we're committed to working with the organizations to say, you know, if, if an access, if, if you have a project where you're trying to increase access to arts and culture, and if that means it's happening virtually, we understand and we're supportive of that. Um, there is a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens built into our uh, grant program already uh, to try and ensure that organizations are meaningfully connected with their communities and that they know who their communities are and that their work is responding to community needs. So we're trying to be as adaptive as our you know, organizations that we support are trying to be adaptive, which is you know, recognizing that arts and culture are still incredibly important, perhaps even more so now that we are all, um, you know, not being able to access the programming that we're used to. Uh, and, and arts and culture are the way that we build connections and stay connected to each other. So we understand that work is important and we're trying to be flexible and to work with organizations um, as they try and answer these questions along, right along with us. Eileen Schreiner is, the, is a trust manager for Oregon Cultural Trust. Um, how about a quick music break? We'll come back with uh, talk a little bit more before we round up the, uh, the show. Sounds good. Uh, you had recommended we'd listen to some uh, Roll On by uh, Pete Seeger, some Oregon music. I just think it's a great anthem for um, the, the spirit of, of, of conservation and movement and um, uh, kind of homegrown talent that we, we have here in Oregon. And it seemed like uh, a, a fitting salute to uh, the legacy that we're all working to preserve here in Oregon. I like the sound of that. Green Douglas firs where the waters cut through. Down her wild mountains and canyons she flew. Canadian Northwest to the ocean so blue. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Your power is turning our darkness to dawn. Roll on, Columbia, roll on. Other great rivers lend power to you. The Yakima Snake and the Clicker Tattoo. Sandy Willamette and the Hood River too. Roll on, Columbia. 
It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I am joined, uh, Eileen Schreiner is a trust manager for Oregon Cultural Trust. We just have a few minutes left. You are, one, you are a point person for new applicants for Oregon Cultural Trust. Yes. Um, what's a common mistake new applicants make? <laughs> well, I hate to say the obvious, but I think it's often um, not actually answering the questions that we ask in our application. Um, it's understandable, a lot of us, you know, have the narrative that we like to share, the stories that we like to share about who we are as an organization. And that's awesome. But what's most helpful for the panelists who are reviewing applications is to have the questions answered directly. Uh, because there, we, the trust operates with um, a group of volunteer review panelists uh, from all over the state each and every year. They volunteer their time to read and score these applications. and. In some cases, they're learning and about organizations for the very first time. The questions are designed so that uh, they have a, a way of learning about who you are as an organization and how your work aligns with the mission of the trust as quickly as possible. We receive uh, over 200 uh, applications each and every year just through our one grant program alone. So answering the questions that are being asked is 
critical. And if you aren't confident that maybe you've done that, because you know none of us are our own best editors, <laughs> have someone who maybe isn't familiar with your organization read it over and see if they take away what you want them to take away from your application. That's great. That is really good advice. Um, just the last couple of questions, and, and they're about you. Uh, so you went to Lewis and Clark. Uh, I did. Did you ever think that, did you, when you were a student, did you know about jobs like this? Did you think that you would end up in a place like the Oregon Cultural Trust? You know, I really had very little idea about what, you know, a history student does other than to go on to graduate school and perhaps teach, which I was okay with. But, you know, my work at, at Lewis and Clark also um, taught me about you know, the meaning of connecting with arts and culture and humanities um, in real time and in, in every part of your life. I grew up as part of the Estonian uh, community in Portland. I grew up doing traditional uh, folk dance and, um, you know, was the daughter of, of immigrants from Estonia. And so for me, uh, culture is it wasn't a nicety, it was a sense of identity and a sense of place in the world and a place where you can get esteem. And so I, want, I wanted a job that somehow supported that for everyone. So that um, a sense of who we are and the meaning that we make in our lives is a part of our everyday life. And I will say that I started to learn about what Oregon had to offer through Lewis and Clark and with an internship I did at uh, the uh, press for the Oregon Historical Society. The Oregon Historical Society used to have a press where they would publish books on Oregon history and I did an internship there. And through that, I learned um, about, you know, who was doing what kind of work around the state. And then I happened to, the timing was great. I happened to be uh, there during the Lewis and Clark Bicentennial in Oregon and there was a lot of interesting work happening looking at you know what is the history of Oregon what's its legacy for for good and for ill and how do we what are the issues that continue to interest us now and um, and how do arts and culture address those issues for us um, and it sounds like you've been able to really put that into play it's I'm eternally grateful to uh, the Oregon legislature for for prioritizing arts and culture and for creating an organization such as the Trust, um, especially this year. Uh, the Oregon State Legislature um, decided, and it was the first state in the union, again, to, to send some federal CARES funding to arts and cultural organizations. And so we were, in the last three months, tasked with distributing $25.9 million in federal CARES funds to over 600 arts and cultural organizations around the state. And it was an incredibly busy three months, but we are doing it and have been able to do it because of the values that are at the state legislature, because of the county coalitions who are there and who are helping us to distribute these funds. And it just shows that, you know, this state uh, sees the importance of arts and culture and humanities and walks the walk. It doesn't just talk the talk. And because the trust was created 20 years ago, we were uniquely positioned to support the arts and culture organizations in our state in a time of great need and in a way that's unique in the country. And so I'd say kudos to all those who came before us 
because we are seeing what the legacy of the trust can be in a time of crisis. Ellie Schreiner is a trust manager with Oregon Cultural Trust. Um, thank you for um, helping amplify some of that state pride. And mm -hmm. thanks for explaining um, how the Oregon Cultural Trust works. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my total pleasure. Thank you for the work that you do. And best wishes for the continued work. And, and know that we're all in this together. And we will get through this. And we will do it together. Thank you. Thank you. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in.